the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Is this voting cycle exposing conservatives' religious facade? And we will also be joined by the author of a new book called The Next Verse, What You Never Knew About 60 of Your Favorite Bible Passages. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey friends, welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm, really good to have you with us on a Tuesday afternoon. It's just a Tuesday afternoon, right? Like it's just a regular Monday, old Tuesday. Friday. There you go. How are you today? I think, I think because yesterday was Indigenous People's Day or Columbus Day, depending on where you live, I'm thrown off by today. Like today feels like a Monday and that's... That I feel like I'm in a strange alternative universe. Oh, because state. the kids were off but, uh, of school yesterday. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But otherwise, th- I'm great. I'm great on I this thought, Tuesday afternoon. I thought you were saying the controversy over was it Columbus oh, Day oh, or Indigenous no, no, People no, no, Day no, 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 no. threw you off today. <laughs> no, that did not throw me off. The fact that like kids didn't have school, so today feels like yes. Monday instead of Tuesday. That sort of thing is is absolutely. Me off. Yeah. Well, we are glad that you are joining us today. Uh, Aubrey, you will not be with us the next two days. You got some speaking gigs going on. Yeah, and, I do. Uh, yep. Speaking at Exponential yep. Church Planting Conference up at the Yellow Box Church and then helping out with their like next generation church planting little workshop. So it should be fun. I'm excited. That's awesome. Well, enjoy that. Again, Thank we you. always say. Uh, this show where I go to conferences and Aubrey speaks at conferences. <laughs> <laughs> I color books and she writes books. <laughs> That's what we're going for That's here good, on Brian. The Common Good. All right, Aubrey, we touched on this yesterday, but I wanted to go back because I saw an interesting article over at MSNBC. It's about Herschel Walker. So Herschel Walker is running for uh, a U.S. Senate seat out of Georgia. And many people have really zeroed in as this is one of those seats that could legitimately swing the Senate. It could Mm. swing uh, Congress and really chart a course for the next couple of years of the Biden administration and uh, where this country heads. And so uh, a lot of focus is being put there. And you and I yesterday just kind of said it's just so weird that Herschel Walker uh, is the one who is being run for here that you know obviously yeah like he's he's being raised up yeah it's complicated confusing so yeah so speaking of confusing i think that's the correct word an author by the name of or a columnist named jahan jones so very liberal wrote this at msnbc herschel walker is exposing conservatives religious facade his confusing responses to allegations he paid for a partner's abortion Mm -hmm. are taking right-wing christians on a ride and exposing them as hypocrites so that's Mm -hmm. the gist of uh, of this article. He goes on later to say that right-wing Christians are using their Bibles to play whack-a-mole with mm. each new allegation. So what's becoming known, just for, for those of you who are not aware, Herschel Walker, uh, he has fathered multiple children with multiple women. 
uh, and he is denying it, but there seems to be some really solid reporting yeah. that that he paid for an abortion for one of uh, the women in his life, of whom he's also had children with. Uh, and so this guy's going, okay, Christians on the right wing, yeah. where's your um, – where are you at on this? Why are you supporting this when this is the guy who might come in and be your hope to ban right. abortion? Right. Let me give the other side of the argument, and then I'd like for you to jump okay. in. The other side is, yeah, he's a screwed up candidate, but we've got to – we being the Republicans, uh, we're talking about national policy here. So we're we're going to – turn our nose up at his personal indiscretions because I'd rather have one guy who paid for one abortion than have a national uh, movement that supports and codifies Roe yeah, versus Wade. Like right, it, right. The stakes are too high, if you will. It's sort of a, a greater good argument. So that's the argument. So I, let's start with this guy. And again, this is a guy on very much on the left side of things. But He's choosing to point his finger at right-wing Christians and go, mm -hmm. see, you're all a bunch of hypocrites. Mm -hmm. Thoughts on the premise of his article here? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I, you know, sometimes prophets to the Christian people come outside of, <laughs> I mean, I this guy might be a believer. I'm not exactly sure. But right. I, the way he ends, he says, their God is a convenient figment of their imagination, a rubber stamp to excuse all their sins and misdeeds while damning their enemies. And I actually think he's got his finger on the pulse of something that is exactly right. And I, 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 where I feel frustrated is I guess I wish uh, these Republicans in Georgia, instead of espousing this with spiritual language and Christian language would just yeah. say, uh, would just say the quiet thing out loud. We want a Republican in power. We don't care who it is. You know, mm -hmm. we think Herschel Walker has the best chance of winning because he's got fame and celebrity. Therefore, we're doing this. Like, I just wish there'd be some even integrity in the language mm -hmm. around this choice, because otherwise it does make us look like hypocrites. And I'm going to be honest. I know I'm going to make some of our listeners mad here. It reminds me of the Trump election when all the evangelical leaders gathered around him and everyone ignored that he was blatantly objectifying and misogynistically talking about women in abusive ways mm -hmm. and has a history with women and everyone just excused it and said, this is God's choice. And I just absolutely do not understand how Christians can get, I, no one's perfect, but how can we get behind someone with such little, uh, walk for their talk mm. and call it God's choice. It's okay to say it's our human choice. Like we want a King, like, let's just say it. But to say that this is like God's anointed one, I, and I, maybe I'm being facetious here or being a little exaggerative with Herschel Walker, but it just, it bothers me. I, I'm over it. It makes me mad. Mm -hmm. it makes me sad, to be honest, too, because I feel like, well, what's the hope? You know? Yeah. And I understand. I know there's another side that says, this isn't a pastor. You're not hiring a pastor. You're hiring a politician. And I get that. I mean, I really do. I, I think there's some... I think there's some valid argument there. It just feels like we aren't being honest about our motivations. I, I think that's true. Herschel Walker, uh, some background here, a self-proclaimed abortion hater. This is from this guy's article. So yeah. take that for what it's worth. Yeah. A self-proclaimed abortion hater who loves berating black men for supposed absenteeism is alleged to be an abortion-seeking absentee father. And that's kind of his premise. I think you said it really well when you said this. 
just be honest. Yeah, like, that's it. You can make here. I'm not sure that I'd be willing to make it, but you can make when it comes to Walker, when it comes to President Trump, when it comes mm-hmm. to other people, you can make an ends justifies the means argument. Right. Right. Hey, we got to win the House. This is who got, this is who yeah. made it through the primaries. Yeah, this is our best bet. It's politics. Like you said, I yeah. think you can make that argument. But to constantly hear the Bible uh, kind of, as this yeah. guy said, Bible thumping kind of argument that says, no, this is God's choice or we're going to gather around him at a prayer gathering. He's been saved by grace, all of which is true. He's been mm-hmm. saved by grace and forgiven. Yep. It yep. doesn't change who he has been and who he is. So just be honest. That's it. I would have all the respect in the world if I heard a commentator or even uh, Herschel Walker's not going to do himself, but somebody from Georgia just get up and say, listen, the stakes are too high. Yeah. This is politics. It's not yeah. church. Yeah. He's a very flawed guy. Right. But he's going to get in line with the party mm-hmm. and get us to where we need to get. Mm-hmm. And that's more important to us than having a virtuous person yeah. in office. Yeah. I, if you I, said I, that, I could get behind that, too. If yep. you said that, I'd go. I could either agree with you or disagree with you, but at least you're being honest. Yeah. And man, yeah. we see this so often now. Of yes. Just the, the the cloaking things in spiritual language, which is also just another way to get votes that yeah. uh, it's, it is something. So that election is coming up around the corner and uh, we shall see. It is a tight one. Herschel Walker down in uh, down in Georgia. One of the things we do here on the show is we tackle hard subjects. We kind of try to dive in, whether it be politics, church, whatever else. But Aubrey, every now and then we like to come up for air and just laugh and to have That's some right. fun. That's fine. One of the ways we've been doing that of, of late is I give you quizzes to test your Bible knowledge, to test your pop culture knowledge. We have done Lamentations or Taylor Swift lyric. We've done Bible or heavy metal lyric. We've done <laughs> Bible or or Disney, <laughs> Bible or yeah. Marvel, right? Yeah. So today is going to be a little more generic. This one is simply called Bible or not. Bible or not. So these hey, quotations, easy, I'm going to hopefully I'm going to read you a quotation and you just okay. have to answer it's in the Bible or it's not in the Bible. Biblical references, so you know, are out of the NIV. So sometimes we go, oh, is that the message? Yeah, that that gets a little confusing. NIV, that's pretty straightforward for many of us. So hopefully. It is. So Okay, I always get nervous. We will give you bonus points. If you think it's the Bible, give us where in the Bible. Oh, man. If you think it's not the Bible. Too much pressure. Okay. If you think it's not the Bible. Uh, do you have any idea where it is from? Because okay. they're not just right. made up. They're from somewhere. They're actual okay? quotes or something. Correct. Okay. Okay. All right. Here we There's go. 10 of these. I'm going to give <gasps> you 10 of these today. And you, at yeah, home, you can play so along nervous. with us. Okay. And see, can you keep score for us, Aubrey? Keep keep your tally. All right. Yeah. I'm going to give myself a 10 out of 10. Yep. Here done. we go. <laughs> uh, this first one should be pretty easy for you. Okay. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. And patience is better than pride. Oh. Maybe that's not easy. The end of a matter is better than its beginning, and patience is better than pride. I'm going to say not Bible. You are incorrect. Ah, That is Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes 7, 8. As soon Uh, as I said it, I said, I think that's that's wisdom of Solomon. Ah, okay. Okay. 
I'm worried for you that once you answer one wrong, that you're going to get in your own head I I am too, Brian. You know how my perfectionist shows up here. Let's see. Let's go. go. Number two. And though in all lands, love is now mingled with grief, it still grows, perhaps the greater. Not Bible. That is correct. And I think... I'm going to take a guess. Either way, okay. I have the point, right? It's you just, have do the I point. get a bonus? You have the point. Yes. I'm going to go Tolkien. Stop it. You are is, correct. Am I right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. That okay. is Tolkien's The Fellowship of the Ring, book yes. two. I didn't remember. I thought it was Lord of the Rings, but I didn't exactly remember which one. That so. was impressive. Okay, okay. So is that so? That makes up for my last loss. I'm giving myself two points. All right. Here's there. what I want you to do. Don't give yourself two points. I want you just to oh, do, do, do how many you get right or wrong. So right now you're okay. one for two, but one keep a separate two. column of bonus points. So we'll know okay. how many bonus, bonus points over here. Okay. You're such All right. An I like it. It's so funny. <laughs> All right. Number three. Okay. Uh, we can stand affliction better than we can prosperity, for in prosperity we forget God. That's not the Bible. That is correct. You're not going to get where this is from. I don't think uh, I know what this is from. Yeah. Because this is actually from a sermon delivered by Dwight L. Moody. D.L. Oh, Moody. Oh, D.L. Called. Moody. Okay. I never would have guessed that. Okay. No, so, no, no. Okay. You wouldn't have got that. Okay. okay. Uh, number four. Oh, you better. For where Uh-oh. your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That is definitely the Bible. Yes, it is. Yep, that is definitely the Bible. And that is from Jesus. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) In the Gospels. Matthew. See, I do believe that they quoted it out of Luke 12, 34. But Ah, I believe that we also may find that in Matthew. Was I close enough that that I I said gospel? You're not going to give it to me? Uh Uh, uh, Matthew six twenty one for yeah, where your we were... treasure is, there your heart <laughs> will be also. <laughs> I get, take yourself a bonus point. There you go. Okay, thank you, uh, thank you. You still get you still get, did get one wrong, by the way. Okay, I know, I know, Brian, I know very well. All right, here we go. God moves <sighs> in a mysterious way; his wonders to perform. This is not a U two song, by the way. Uh... <laughs> The question is, is this a Bible verse or is this a song? I'm going to go not Bible. I that think is it's correct. a song, but I don't know what song. It is uh, It is a poem by okay. William oh, poem. Cowper, an English poet oh, and a hymn composer. What? Somebody else was just talking about William Cowper recently. Huh. This, this, not me. Uh, This famous line actually appears in his poem, Light Shining Out of Darkness. So you're on a roll here. You're doing well. Okay. Okay. But I didn't get the bonus point because I thought that was a song. So, okay. Correct. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. Bible or not. I'm going to go Bible. That is correct. Do you want to guess where? I think it's one of the Gospels. I think it's the New Testament, but I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm out at that point. All right. You do not get your bonus point, although you were okay. correct. It is John chapter 3, verse 8. Ah, I should have just made a guess. Okay. But you're getting things right here. Okay, here we go. Next one, number okay. seven. 
Okay. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. That's the Bible. Mm-hmm. And also many sports uh, things. That's it, Jesus. Yes. So it's either Matthew, Mark, or Luke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is in Mark 3, verse ah! 25. Okay. Uh, it it, uh, it also could be out of Matthew and Luke. So it technically, okay. yes. Uh, perhaps the most famous secular use of this quotation, you claim sports, but it is actually Abraham Lincoln. Oh, In it his is. speech accepting Illinois' Republican I, I Party's nomination know, to run for Senate. I just know. So I grew up in a household where my dad, my dad played football for Texas Tech. I don't know if you know this, Brian, but we became Boomer Sooner fans uh, growing up. And so okay. there was lots of talk in our house about like a house divided or a family divided. So I assumed that was kind of a sports thing. Okay. Uh, here we go. Number eight. This above all. Uh, to thine, to own, thine self own self be true, be true. And it must follow as the night, the day. Thou canst not be. Fo- See, you're going to know this isn't the this Bible is, because the, the, the NIV never speaks like this. Yeah, this is Shakespeare. <laughs> and I, I'm pretty sure this is Hamlet. Uh, can you guess the act uh, in the scene? You already have the bonus point. To thine own self be true. It's early in Hamlet. This is impressive. But I'm I don't impressed. think I don't. Uh, I don't think it's actually Hamlet. It's from Hamlet. I don't think Hamlet says it. Wow, you are you are. But I can't. Uh, I don't know are. more than that. Early, not Hamlet, but it's Shakespeare. I mean, All it's of from that Hamlet. is correct. All of that is correct. It is Shakespeare. Hamlet, Act 1, Scene 3, and in this passage, Polonius, the Lord Chamberlain and the father of Laertes and Ophelia, Uh uh, this is him talking. He's giving advice to his son. I wouldn't have remembered that, but I'm giving myself that bonus point because that that knowledge Oh, no, no, no. You get the ball. You get that. that. You get it. Yeah, that goes way back. Two more. Uh, live in okay. harmony. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. That's not the Bible. Be conceited. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely the Bible. And it, uh, James. Nope. Book of Romans, chapter twelve. Okay. Okay. Last one. Okay. Heed the word of the Lord, or the dead will rise again, possessed <laughs> by demons. And you who are unclean shall be damned forever and ever in eternal fire. I'm going to say not the Bible. (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) Uh, It is not the Bible. But I have no idea. This is from Night of the Living Dead, 30th Anniversary (laughs) Edition. It is spoken by a pastor. It is spoken by Reverend John Hicks in the movie. Aubrey, you missed the very first one. Hey, okay, but I you got, got the rest. Nine out of ten and three bonus points. I feel like I also. <laughs> what do you want to do with those bonus points? <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to tell everybody, you guys. Guess what? Guess what happened? Guess what I did? So there you go. Aubrey yeah, dominates okay. these quizzes. I am impressed. And Aubrey, we are thrilled to be joined by the author of a new book called "The Next Verse: What You Never Knew About Sixty." of your favorite Bible passages. His name is Jay Payleitner. Uh, Jay, how are you doing today? Uh, Brian and Aubrey, I'm, I'm better than I deserve. Uh, good to hang out with you guys. Yeah, it's great to have you with us. Uh, let's just dive into the book. Tell us kind of on a grand scale the heart behind the book. <laughs> Why did you write this book, and, and what are you hoping to accomplish with it? Well, sure. Um, well, I'll just challenge your listeners right now to think 
about what's on their walls, on their mm. coffee mugs, and maybe a tattoo, maybe a bumper sticker of refrigerator magnet. And you've got these wonderful little little uh, verses that you've picked up over the years that that have meaning to you, scripture verses. Yeah. Um, and uh, the question is. Awesome. That's great. That can impact your life. That can even be life changing to have a verse like that. But my question is, do you know, can you tell me and the next verse, Do you know, the <laughs> next verse. And uh, that came to me, if I may, real quick, um, uh, about 20 years ago, I got a new new Bible. It's always fun to have a new Bible. And uh, very soon after that, a preacher was talking about um, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Which yeah. we know, for we are God's handiwork, created in no, 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 no. Excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself. For it is by <laughs> grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, and no one can boast. And that's great. I'm talking about grace. Ephesians two eight and nine. We're talking about grace. That's good stuff. And then he went on to talk about the next verse, which is. Not grace. We are God's handiwork created to do good works. It's like, wait, which, which, is, which is it? Is it grace or <laughs> yes. good works? Um, uh, you got to sort that out, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, the preacher did that. And we, we understand that concept that we are created for good works and grace we are saved. Okay. But the point was that I opened up my new Bible in the back and I wrote down, not the whole verse out, but just the reference. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 plus 10. And suddenly I had these two consecutive verses that seemed to contradict each other and it something clicked in my head and I started collecting next verses and pretty mm. soon uh, I had I had dozens of examples where uh, a verse would say something but the very next verse either uh, contradicted it or explained it or or made me laugh or reminded me about something and uh, because I'm a writer, that's right. I've written more than thirty books. Uh, uh, it's like ah, that's a book. Son there of it God. is. And it, has, awesome. it, has, it has captured the imagination, and it's uh, caused some folks to dig deeper into context of scripture, which is that's what great. we all need to do. So yeah, that's go. fantastic. Love that. And and Jay, what are some? I mean, you know, we can all bring some of those verses to mind. Uh, for God so loved the world, or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> what are some of the verses that you explore? You know, maybe share one with us that really, that next verse is really, really compelling or, or surprising. Well, uh, the, the very first chapter of the book, and you, you've already said it, John three sixteen. 16. Uh, I jumped on that one and I don't even have to read it because we know that it's about mm-hmm. God's love the world. He gave the son. It's about eternal life. Uh, just, it's, it's just a just wonderful, positive verse. But the very next verse, John three seventeen. Do you know the next verse? It's about condemnation. Um, <laughs> for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. It goes on to say, "Whoever does not believe stands condemned already." It's like, oh, I guess you gotta, you can't have grace without judgment. So it's, that certainly makes sense. But those two verses together are more powerful than just the one verse. So John 3.16 and John 3.17, did you read the next verse? (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I love it. You could just always ask that. Did you read the next verse? (laughs) uh, You, in your book, you talk about the famous verse out of the book of Joshua, chapter 24, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh, I've been in many houses, family members or as a pastor, where that 
verse is next to the door as you're leaving as a declaration. Tell us about that verse. Well, that's actually a nice, popular welcome, Matt. Uh, I've, yeah. I've gone to the house, <laughs> which is a warm fuzzy. It's, and it's lyrical as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It just sounds so wonderful and delightful. And it is. It absolutely is. But people don't know, even know where that came from. I didn't until I did this research here. Um, this is Joshua's farewell. He's saying goodbye to the Israelites. He's 110 years old. Now, we know that Joshua took over from Moses and, and led the Israelites into the promised land. And now he's 110 years old. He assembles all the tribes of Israel. Just imagine a, a sea of people out front, and he's saying goodbye to them. Mm. And then he reminds them of the, the history of, of and, and God's faithfulness, Abraham and Isaac. And he spends several verses talking about that, the Red Sea and, and the time in the desert. And then he turns to them and says, listen, guys, I'm, paraphr- I'm paraphrasing. Sure, listen, sure. Uh, sure. Guys, we, have, we have turned so often to idols, but... But I got to say, guys, listen, people, uh, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's Joshua 24, 15. It's, it's a beautiful mm. moment. Mm-hmm. And Joshua 24, 16, the people replied, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods, which is mm. the exact right answer. But Joshua isn't quite sure because he knows this crowd. Two more times he asks them the same question. Are you going to serve idols? What are you going to do? And they say, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. So three times he's got the confirmation. So Joshua dies, a happy man. And that's the end of the book of Joshua. Hmm. And then you turn two pages to the book of Judges. And those rascally rascally Israelites are doing the same thing. They're doing the idol worship again. And I'm getting excited about it. But really, the question is, when you walk on that welcome mat or you see that sign in your house, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's not just a warm fuzzy. That is Mm -hmm. uh, uh, two questions. What idols am I serving? Oh, that's good. And will I serve the lord so yeah, um, it's a commitment and a question so uh that's the kind of thing that the book does i do that i've chosen 60 familiar verses and in most cases the very next verse is stunningly surprising and delightful and challenging and um uh, it was a fun book to write and that's I, awesome and, and, and it's a fun book to talk about the next verse great that's great and jay you know for um I'm just thinking of all the Bible folks out there who might have more of a tendency not to read the full context, might, you know, just pull out a verse here and there for enjoyment or encouragement. Obviously, that's okay. We do that. But what's your hope, really, for those folks as they're reading your book? Well, it it really is about context, and that's a popular theme for uh, mm-hmm. for pastors to talk about, reading the book, the Bible in context. But... <clears throat> Here, the big message of this book really is uh, we stop too soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, that big fat book is, is intimidating. It's um, It's got big words in it. It's got weird names in it we can't pronounce, uh, <laughs> especially early in your faith. It's like, oh, oh man, yeah. I, it's confusing. But we need to see it as an adventure and keep digging. Read the next yeah. verse. Read the next for several passages. Read the book in context because we stop too soon. Um my wife uh, does uh, picture puzzles, and she dumps the whole the whole thousand pieces or two thousand pieces <laughs> on, the, on the coffee table. And I want no part of this because it's just too much. But when it starts coming together, 
when it's, when the picture starts to come together in in the picture puzzle or the Bible, when yeah. the picture that's like, oh yeah, oh that that works, and then I'll jump in, I'll and I'll and I always save the last piece. I put the last the last piece. <laughs> <laughs> you're that good. guy you're that, that guy, guy. <laughs> again hey jay before we let you go where can people connect with you whether it be social media where can they find your book if they want to kind of get more about you and learn more about you well brian and aubrey uh th- thank you for asking uh well most of your listeners here are in chicago am i right i mean That's right. Yeah. and me too i'm in the western suburbs I'm in st charles so stop not you know look me up i'm in the phone book knock on my door and i'll chat with you <laughs> um, uh but uh, uh jay payleitner um I, I i love speaking to men's groups and 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 sunday school groups and that kind of thing um you can certainly find me uh if you uh, Pay Lightner is hard to spell. J Pay Lightner, J A Y. Last name is P A Y L E I T N E R. That's jpayleitner.com. But uh, more than that, maybe just Google the next verse. Yeah, and uh, that'll get to that'll get to the book and the Amazon page and and that All kind of, of thing. Um, and uh, just to tell them that I'm friends with Aubrey and Brian and, and <laughs> that'll get you. Perfect. <laughs> and that'll get me a long ways. Again, the name of the book is The Next Verse, What You Never Knew, about 60 of your favorite Bible passages. The author is Jay Payleitner. Jay, the book looks fascinating. It was a lot of fun spending time with you. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Hey, blessings. Keep at it, you two. Appreciate you so, so much. And we love connecting with you on social media. We are at Common Good Talk on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, Brian, I, I want to circle back this afternoon to something that we just do every once in a while, which is Mm -hmm. in light of really heavy, scary anxiety news uh, to just kind of remind ourselves who God is, what God is up to and how we should be responding. So we don't necessarily need to talk about these stories, but I, yesterday I was just inundated this uh, explosion in Donegal, Ireland. I saw a picture of a, a little girl who was killed, you know, it just seems like, uh, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, Russia unleashed the biggest barrage of strikes against Ukraine. We're hearing, you know, rumors of North Korea, uh, firing more ballistic missiles. And then this is a story that I feel like, unfortunately we've, we've sort of moved on from, but just last Friday in the Uvalde school district, they suspended the entire police force after the investigation into a shooting. So you're just reminded of some of these really devastating things going on in the world. And, you know, you and I understand you can't kind of live from news cycle to news cycle and you probably shouldn't like you, you have to step back. Right. But I like, you know, in the face of these things, I like for us to just stop and acknowledge people are hurting Let's be praying. Let's weep with those who weep, but let's also be people who are grounded in in the reality of who God is. So I guess, Brian, I'm going to make you pastor all of us. I'm ready. now. (laughs) Again, you know, when we're hitting some of these news headlines, we're hearing some of these stories. How do we remain non-anxious people? Yeah, that's a great question because there is a lot of anxiety inducing stuff in our in the world like you just listed right you see mm-hmm. what's going on in the ukraine or uh when the hurricane comes through last weekend or the, the school shootings uh, but then there's personal anxiety right like inflation and can i pay my bills and yeah. maybe you're having relational issues yeah. or job issues or whatever else so there's like the 
the global anxiety, anxiety inducing things. And there are the personal ones. And a lot of most, I not even a lot of times, pretty much all the time, the personal ones are harder. Right. Like, how do I deal with life? And so um, I do think it's important to keep circling back to these things because you said you can't run from news cycle to news cycle. But we have also talked on the show about how quickly we move on from yeah. Uvalde or Sandy mm-hmm. Hook or a hurricane that I mean, Aubrey, that hurricane has killed a lot of people in Florida. A lot of people. And it just kind of, you just kind of move on. You do. Um, You kind of just go about your daily life unless you live there and you're like seeing it face to face. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Where it becomes your personal anxiety. And so Mm -hmm. I would say there's a couple answers. And, um, sometimes we feel guilty giving like the, the church answer and I'm using air quotes here. Right. But it's the church answer because it's true. Yeah. Uh, the book of Philippians tells us, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, present your request to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Like there's a promise there. And so mm. it's not being flippant to say, hey, when you feel anxious, pray. It's actually what the Bible tells us to do. And sometimes we discard it because, oh, just a church answer. Right. It might not be the only answer, but it's part of the solution. And remembering that God is present with us, offering us peace. He is victorious. So those are some very kind of big scale ones. But I would also say when you're feeling anxious, what pops that balloon for you? Go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, call a friend. Like maybe you have a friend when things are anxious that you talk to and you work things out with yeah. instead of keeping it internal. You know, maybe it's watching your favorite show that makes you laugh. Whatever mm-hmm. it might be, don't live in that anxiety twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Like yeah. you've got to uh, remove yourself. It's the biblical concept of Sabbath, right? You've got to yeah. remove yourself every now and then, knowing that it's still going to be there when you right. go back, right? And you go back. Uh, and one last thing I would point out, Aubrey, social media does is it's it's fuel for anxiety. It is, and, and so I would be careful with your social media mm-hmm. consumption. So those are yeah. some for me. What do you, what would you tell? What do you do when you feel anxious, mm-hmm. or what would you tell somebody else to do? Well, I think I told you, and this is not related to the the devastating news cycle right now, but I think I told you yesterday I was kind of complaining about uh, like this this was off air but like this giant water bill that all of the yeah all of the citizens of our city have suddenly gotten this giant water bill because our water company didn't charge people for like three years but it's due in nine days or water will be shut off and i i mean i was very anxious yesterday and i woke up this morning very anxious about it and i'm like okay lord what Mm. do i know about you that's true so for me i have to remember like God has always been our provider. God always will be. This will work out in the long run. Uh, it will be okay. God sees us. God sees this. And then I'm praying for my neighbors who I know are some of, some of them, not all of them, but some of them are feeling anxious too. How are we going to, how are we going to take care of this? And so it is, I do think reminding ourselves of the truth that like God sees this, God sees our struggles. God is our provider. Um, all shall be well in the end. Mm-hmm, and I, I think mm-hmm. uh, even yesterday I went for a walk and I prayed and you do. I think there is there is something about removing yourself from, you know, because you can try to control things, whatever mm-hmm. it is you're struggling with, reading the news cycle or staring at your phone or grasping it, whatever it is you grasp at for self-soothing or for control. Yeah. But I, I love that 
I love that invitation to actually cast those cares on Jesus. So maybe go for a walk, step away from your phone. This is what I did yesterday and just pray and, you know, do the things you need to do, but trust that like, ultimately God is in control. You're not alone. God cares for his children. God provides for their needs. And I think, um, you know, it is, it is so interesting. We're actually going to talk about this a little bit later today that the next generation, Gen Z, is the most anxious generation that has existed. And there oh, are, really? uh, yeah, and there are a lot of research about why many people suggesting that it is because of social media, interaction with the phone, et cetera. And so I, I'm going, I'm just repeating something you said, Brian, but I do think there is a, that Sabbath invitation do not be a slave to your phone. Step mm -hmm. away from social mm -hmm. media. Look around at the world around you. Look at other people who are hurting. Get in nature. Like somehow we just have to ground ourselves in reality away from away from the digital world in order to get a sense of perspective. And I really do think that's God's wisdom, ancient wisdom that is true, yes. as true today as it ever has been. Yeah. So I, I think anyway, our faith has to speak. Our faith just has to speak to this too, right? That's like, it, Brian. It, it makes a difference in the here and now. Your faith is yeah. not just so that you could get to heaven one day where yeah. there is no anxiety, where the That's victory right. is realized. But it also matters now. The Philippians verse we read before, Jesus's words about worry, like it does make a difference. And I do really, yeah. I do really believe pulling ourselves out of our anxiety every now and then, understanding that you're then going to reenter it. Like it's got yeah. to uh, go. Uh, it's not gone, uh, but it doesn't mean you have to live in it 24 seven. Like the, you don't have to be um, a captive, a prisoner to your anxiety. That's uh, it. There, while we also acknowledge, even in our own lives, I had a an unexpected car bill yesterday. Daily, there are things that cause there great are. anxiety. Yes. And the question is, what are you going to do when they come? Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to, are you going to give them to Jesus or are you going to like reel in it? I think that's a good question for all of us. Brian, you and I uh, both have kids. Tell the yes, people how old yours are in case it's been a while since we've said it. My children are 18, 15, and 13. Man, so I have a, you are in it. I am. I have a freshman in college, a freshman in high school, and an eighth grader. So uh, wow. basically what that means is I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that that feels about right. So mine are 16, 13, and 10. So we're just a little bit behind you. And the reason that I'm bringing up our kids is because we want to have a conversation about parenting. Mm -hmm. And this is going to sound like a funny way to get there, but Christianity Today is writing about the recent chess cheating controversy. Hans Niemann, the American 19-year-old chess grandmaster, is facing cheating allegations. And um, apparently, there's some data coming out, some information coming out that Niemann admitted to cheating online when he was 12 years old okay. and admitted to cheating online again when he was 16 years old. But apparently there's been, um, yeah, some more, some more is coming out about that story. But at Christianity Today, one of the authors is talking about how since he was a minor when he began cheating, that caught her eye as a parent. Okay. Gotcha. And here's what, here's what this writer says. A teenage chess scandal illustrates how young people face pressure in all parts of life to cut corners, be bad sports or plagiarize schoolwork, 
Parents can implicitly set expectations that, quote, good children succeed, or they can model the wrong approach to losses or setbacks by overreacting. But that doesn't mean parents should pull children back from good endeavors. Um, So it's interesting to me, Brian, thinking about the pressure that our kids are on uh, and what it means in light of mm-hmm. this cheating scandal. So she's specifically this writer talking about her nine-year-old really liked uh, this chess grandmaster and heard all about it and was pretty devastated to hear that. I think the question is, you know, when a nine-year-old hears about their chess hero cheating and then uh, also feels pressure that kids feel to perform are we, I, I don't know, I guess I'm asking a parenting question. Like, what do we do to help our kids achieve and be their best selves and, and have good endeavors, but not feel that type of pressure that they need yeah. to cheat or cut corners to succeed? You've been parenting longer than me. You got any thoughts on this? It's a hard one, right? Yeah. Because you see cheaters do, it does pay off sometimes. Sports, mm-hmm. politics, business, whatever else yeah. it might be. Um, on some levels, this has been a constant from when we were kids, our parents were kids. Like I remember being young and being like, oh, people cheat on tests. Can I cheat on a test? Yeah, right, right. Uh, this, but it does, it, it does feel more amplified now. Like I, we all felt pressure as kids, but I think the pressure is ratcheted up on our kids. And there's quite frankly, probably more ways to cheat now. Like I'm thinking primarily about school. Um, I, I do think as parents, we walk a really fine line where we want our kids to be pushed. Mm-hmm. We want our kids to achieve. We want them to succeed. But what parents get wrong, I've seen this on the sports field way too much, whether it's like little league teams that mm. I coached or like travel ball that my kids play or whatever else it might be, is we put so much pressure on our kids that they start to uh, wrap their identity up in their achievement. Right. Oh, yeah. my, my yeah. dad is going to think higher of me if I go two for four instead of yeah. for four in the game. Yeah. If I if I pitch and don't give up a run versus give up three runs. Or, you know, it's not always just sports. If it's, you know, if I could get through this book of piano lessons or if I get mm. all A's to get in this college, I think as parents, we have to work extra hard these days not to tie our acceptance and our love for our children, mm. even perceptually, perceptively. Uh, from them into their achievement. Mm. Like if my kid gets an A, I love them. If my kid gets a C, I love them. If my kid yeah. makes the best team, I love them. If my kid gets cut from the team, I love them. Yeah. And I think when our kids know that that they are loved and accepted by their parents because of who they are, not because mm. of what they've done. Yeah. You've written a book about this. Yeah. Uh, then they will, I think then the draw for things like cheating and lying uh, diminish. They don't go away. They diminish. So I think we have to help our kids understand why achievement is important and not what it means in terms of their identity. Mm, that's so good, Brian. I, I love that. In this article, they're quoting Mr. Rogers. Of course. Uh, of course, Mr. Rogers, the, the hero for so many of us. They say Presbyterian minister Fred Rogers in his book, Mr. Rogers Talks to Parents, argues for the importance of love surrounding competitive activities. Mm. Kids who are strong competitors, he wrote, have a little voice within that says it's all a matter of winning or losing love. 
He continued, there's probably no way we can keep our children from feeling sad or angry when they lose. The child may seem to find little comfort in our saying, but you tried really hard and I'm proud of you. Mm -hmm. It takes time to get over disappointment. For those children who have learned to feel valued and loved by the people they love, these disappointments do pass. The children who feel like they have to bank everything on their performance come to believe that losing in a competition means being one of life's unloved Loser. So this goes back exactly to what you were saying, Brian, is it just can't be about their identity. And as and for parents, we're not going to be able necessarily to rescue our kids from this. I mean, some of this is just the brokenness of the world and some of this is our own sin and why we need mm-hmm. the perfect love of the father. Like all, all of this ultimately, I think, points us to our need for Jesus. But as parents, I do think we can be mindful of um, helping our kids see that this is not a win or a loss is not about who they are. It does not define them no matter what it doesn't define them. That's good. There's two things in here. First of all, you want to know what we're doing as parents and as people, there is a charter school network of about 20,000 students in New York. That's kind of like really pressure filled. Do you want to know what it's called? Success Academy. Wow. Okay. If you are part of success Academy, what is the message you are getting? Mm -hmm. But beyond that, Aubrey, uh, where this is, really important is not that we want it's not only that we want our kids to know that we love them this influences how they view god and how yeah. we view god wow. how many of us live a life in which we believe that god ultimately uh my acceptance and love from my heavenly father ultimately rises and falls with did i obey well enough did i read my bible did i evangelize totally. did i totally uh, to, to use a funny story before did i go to see you at the poll did i do these <laughs> kinds of things and when we see our our heavenly father's love for us as transactional, yeah, we're also going to see that in our earthly parents or we're going to treat our kids that way. It yeah. really messes as a parent. It really you're the way you love your kids unconditionally or conditionally is going to set up how they view God right? Uh, about whether he mar- he he loves them conditionally right. or unconditionally. This is why we have to get this right. We live in a culture that's like. Go win, win at all costs. And if that's the identity that our kids are picking up, they're actually going to put that on their heavenly father. Mm-hmm. And now you've got now you got problems because now your kid is deconstructing at 21. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. They've that, always they have felt a, this pressure. Right. They have a distorted image of God because of that. So I think that's really, yeah, that's really important. And the, the thing is, I, I don't think this means don't celebrate their wins and their accomplishments, but that you have you consistently love, accept, welcome them, no matter what needs mm-hmm. to be the foundation of needs to be the foundation of parenting for our kids. Brian, I, I was scrolling through Twitter the other day, and this caught my eye. Kind of a crazy, crazy story. In uh, the 1950s, um, apparently, a young girl in Texas lost her purse, and it was recently found over the weekend. And it was filled with um, all of the things that you could imagine it would be filled with in the 1950s, but like kind of was like a little preserved time capsule showing what life was like for girls back then. Apparently, they've they've sort of put together some pieces, realizing that the person who owned the purse is now 76 years old. And some of the things that they found, they found a telephone directory. They found a calendar. They found pictures of her friends, pictures of celebrity male crushes and boys. (laughs) uh, 
boys that she liked. Um, they it had a little bit of makeup in it. It had a little bit of uh, I think I said a family calendar, a note about riding the bus home from school, just some cute things, you know. Uh, and some of them were historic. There, I think they're displaying them somewhere now. So just a cute little story. But it got me thinking about you know the passage of time That's and right. nostalgia and. One of those, you know, one of those fun conversations that we like to have every once in a while about the passage of time. And um, even yesterday, Brian, I was talking with someone and he said that he's been trying to explore that question. What do I want said at my funeral? And uh. here's what he said. He said, um, I've been to funerals. This is a, an older guy. He's been a pastor for a long time. He said, I've been to funerals where people um, commented on everything that the person had achieved, everything that they had done. And those were wonderful things like in service of God, but really had nothing to say about their personality, about the mm. kind of character that they had. And then he said, and then I've been to funerals where it's the opposite. They've talked about the kind of character love kindness this person had but then it seemed like they actually didn't do much with the life that god had given them like they they lived a very very simple life and for this person that i was talking to neither of those felt like great options to him now i yeah. think there could be arguments one way or the other but for him he was like i want on my tombstone or at my funeral people to be saying both he was kind loving a good father, a good husband, and also accomplished what he felt like God had called him to yeah. do. So he was sort of stressing the importance of being and doing. He's mm -hmm. again, he's a little older. He's in his 60s. So he's looking now, you know, towards his life. He said the other thing he does, Brian, you know how we talk about like writing a letter to our past selves? What would you say to your past selves? Yeah. Yeah. He writes a letter to his future self every so often. So okay. right now he's writing a letter to his 80 something year old self saying, this is the kind of man you are. These are the kinds of things you've accomplished. And it's a way for him to think forward yeah. about what he wants to do in life, you know, rather than looking back. So anyway, this purse, uh, this nostalgic all purse going. brought all this up for me. And normally, Brian, you and I do talk about what we would say to our younger self. Yeah. Have you ever thought about this before? And I maybe I'll put you on the spot here, but what would you say to Brian 20 years from now if you were writing that letter? Oh, that's really good because you're bringing up the funeral. Uh, I like been to say birthday party. 85-year-old birthday party is not But I've like I've actually talked a lot in in sermons about the Christian funeral and the importance of it. And what do you what do you actually talk about at a funeral and and it's really I know it can be somber, but I think it's really important. Like, what do you want people to say about you? And, yeah. Uh, man, I think the best thing uh, increasingly, I think, is just Paul's words that he or mm. she ran the race. They mm. kept the faith. And yeah, they persevered. I agree with that. Yeah. And they went. Uh, but I would also say to my 20 year from now self. So you're kind of writing to yourself going, I hope this is what these next 20 years have been like. Right. Here's your, right. Uh, I would want to know that 20 years from now, we're 65, right? My back probably hurts a little more getting around a little less. I'd want to know that, hey, still be somebody who laughs and laughs mm -hmm. a lot and laughs oh, easy. Uh, and good. I, I would want that. I, I would want to say still be somebody who's kept the faith 
even though your kids are now out of the house, presumably, <laughs> and on their own. <laughs> Ideally, yeah. Hopefully now I'm a grandparent, like all of this stuff. I would still be like, I hope that you still love your kids a lot and really yeah. well and are loving your wife really well. Like, mm. God willing that you're all still alive 20 years from now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that even though it looks different, the perspective and the focus hasn't changed. And so yeah. those are the things. Um you know, I, I would say, hey, there's going to be frustrations over the next 20 years with your radio partner. Just deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> Just suck it up and deal with it. She's so annoying. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. They're going to continue. <laughs> what would you say to yourself? What would you say to yourself the 20 you years from now? I was struck by this person that I was talking to thinking about how he wanted it to be both what he was doing and and. And the kind of person he was being. Yeah. I think I actually would, because I tend to be an achieving type person and that can be the death of me. Like even when we do these funny quizzes, is that the Bible or not the Bible? I'm like, I will win this thing. You know what I mean? So for me, that's not always a super healthy place to focus on all the things I want to do and accomplish. So I actually, I mean... I, I love what you said about laughter. Like I hope in the next 20 years I've become a more playful person, not taking myself so seriously. Yeah, yeah. I do hope that my kids are walking with Jesus, having families that are loving Jesus. I would love to see like that generational faith continue mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. my family line. Um, and part of that I think means me like pouring us pouring into them. And then I, as far as doing, I, I definitely feel like there is a time and a place, Brian, and you and I are getting there in our age where we start passing the baton on to the next mm -hmm. generation and like pouring into new church leaders or new ministry leaders or new Christian authors, radio hosts, whatever it is with what we've learned so that they're ready to like take up the mantle and, and you know, maybe I'm being a little over dramatic, but I actually mean that. Like I want to leave a legacy where I've poured into the next generation of leaders. And so I, I hope in the next 20 years, like some of those things feel true mm -hmm. about who I am. There's a great poem that's very famous. It's a very famous poem called the dash, right? And oh yeah, the point of the dash is you don't control the, on your tombstone, again, speaking of death, you don't control <laughs> the first date and you don't control the second date, right? You mm. don't control the day you were born. You don't control the day that you die. Yeah. Uh, but the whole point of this powerful poem is that dash in between them represents everything about your life. And you have some control over that. And the point of the poem is live your life to the fullest, like to live that dash, however long it might be. You yeah. don't control that end date. Yeah. But live it with purpose, with intentionality. Yeah. Run the race well, live for your priorities, all of these types of things. I've always thought about that poem because it does, it kind of encapsulates, all right, I get one shot at this and let's yeah. be intentional about it. Who do I want to be? That's so good, Brian. I love that. You've mentioned that poem before. I think that's such a good, like, really what good. do you want that dash to be filled with? All right. Well, thanks so much for being here with us today, Brian and I. Well, I won't be here tomorrow, but Brian will or be Thursday. here tomorrow. That's right. I'm going to be gone tomorrow and Thursday. So I hope you have a great couple days without me, but not too much Thank fun, you. Brian. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.